Hey, thank you uh, for coming at this odd time. Um, you know, uh, I, I had to change the time because uh, we have a communal event later this evening. Um, but as always, the way we're going to do this, I'm going to ask two questions that uh, people have asked me recently, and you let me know which one of the questions you would like to discuss this evening. So I'm just going to read two emails that I got or texts. I don't remember if they were emails or texts or WhatsApps or whatever, but you get the point. One of them reads as follows. It's from a Talmud of mine who started teaching recently. He just uh, recently got a job as a teacher. He's, I, I believe he's been on the job for uh, when he sent this, this text to me, he had only been on the job for about three weeks. And his, uh, his, his email read as follows. Hi, Rebbe. First question on teaching, which isn't really about formal teaching. I just got to school and I see all of the sixth graders in my tefillah class coming in with sculptures and dolls all dressed up. And I ask, what are those? Apparently, they're learning Roman or Greek and Greek mythology, and their project, assigned by a non-Jewish teacher, was to make modern representations from them. I once asked a Rebbe in uh, Yeshiva a few years ago about a chess set with Greek gods and statues, uh, about a chess set, and uh, he said that uh, it's not Mamish Avodah but it's a problem with the human form issue. So I was wondering what you thought I should do on a halachic level and on the third week on the job level. Uh, halachically, would it be best for them to chip off a piece either of a nose or an ear, etc.? And on the third week on the job level, should I bring it up to the principal, you know, considering that I'm so new here? Uh, so that was Shaila number one. Shaila number two I got uh, from a, uh, a, a soldier serving in the IDF. And that, those are always my favorite uh, uh, my favorite emails and Shaila's because uh, it's always so uh, beautiful to see that the people that are defending Am Yisrael are uh, also learning Torah as they're uh, defending Am Yisrael and every chance they get, uh, hopping a few minutes of Torah here and there. Um, so uh, so this particular soldier uh, wrote as follows. I'm currently in the Tzahal and I listened to your recent time in Allah Hashir on running to the Beis HaKnesses. And I was thinking about a situation that happened to me recently. I was in my army clothes and gun coming off the bus back from the army base and I needed to catch Mincha. So I was running. So can you imagine the, the scene? He needs to catch Mincha. He's going to be, if he doesn't run, he's not going to be able to have him to feel a bit seaboard. He may miss this man entirely. Who knows? So he's in full uniform and gun and he's running like a lunatic, right? So uh, one of his friends um, one, one of his friends uh, said, oh, is, it, is everyone getting an echo or is that just... Uh, no? Okay, so I think it might be on your computer. Um, one of his friends said to him, he writes, my friend told me it might not be the best thing to run in the army uniform and gun because it might cause unrest to the people around me. Uh, I, I would say that he is right. Is there an issue of causing public unrest or potentially scaring people? And is that issue, whatever it might be, docha davening b'tzibur, or the Indian of running to a base Knesses? Since I might have to walk to get to a minion instead of running, I might miss the minion entirely. So, uh, meaning for his own personal hanhaga and avoda, it seems to be that the better thing to do is to run. But uh, the impact it's going to have on the people around him, the better thing to do is to walk. So those are our two shilas for this week. You could vote in the chat and let me know what you'd, if you'd rather discuss the Greek mythology or, the, uh, or if you'd rather discuss the, uh, the uh, Tzahal running, uh, Shaila. Oh, Kovi, it's good to see you. I don't see you, but it's good to see the big K. Okay. Um, the, so, uh, uh, okay, so that's an even vote. We need one more vote. Oh, and that puts it over the top. Okay, did everyone vote? 
No, someone could still tie it up, and then I would have the the, the deciding vote. No, okay. So it looks like uh, by a slim margin, uh, Shaila number one wins. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's discuss uh, Shaila number one a little bit. Um, first thing is let, we're going to work with an assumption over here. The assumption we're going to work with, and I think it's a fair assumption, is that Greek and Roman gods are considered avodazara. Not to say that uh, these images that are made of them are avodazara, but they're at least images of what was an avodazara. And there is an issue in the Torah of making images of an avodazara, of avodazara significance, meaning there's an issue to worship an idol, obviously, in the Torah. But the Torah also says you're not allowed to construct an idol. Lo sasalcha pesa vichaltamuna asherba shamayimimal vasherba aret mitachas vasherba mayimitachas la aret. Um the uh okay, so uh, the uh the 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 <laughs> Okay, uh, Kobe Fleischman just sent me that uh, he just had to check in because he wanted to be uh, get a voting right for the first time in one of these years. Um, okay, so the the <laughs> have a good night. It's late in Israel. Um, so the the, uh, the the Pasuk says that you're not allowed to make an image, you're not allowed to make a Pesach, the Chaltamuna, of anything It happens to be there's a beautiful Vart I once heard from Rabbi Isaac Bernstein's Zechron Levracha on that Pasuk, having nothing to do with Avodah Just a nice uh, Musr Vart, he had a beautiful Drush, I forget who he quoted, but uh, if you're not familiar with Rabbi Isaac Bernstein's Parsha Shiurim, they are fantastic. Rabbi Bernstein passed away at a tragically young age in the middle of 1990s, um, he was a rav in uh, he was a rav in the Jewish Center actually for a couple of years, but he was a rav in England. And when the OU started their Parsha app that just recently uh, was launched and is a fantastic app, I highly recommend it. So they called me and asked me if I have any ideas of who should be on the app. Like, well, who who should they make sure that those shurim are on the app? So my only suggestion was that Rabbi Bernstein's shurim should be on the app. Rabbi Isaac Bernstein gave the greatest Parsha shurim, so they actually did. They, they tracked down all the, the recordings and the cassettes or however they did it and they uploaded them onto the app. So if you get the old Parsha app, uh, you'll see Rabbi Bernstein's uh, Shirim. He was just a master orator and a, uh, an, an, an incredible, he gave an incredible Parsha. In fact, my Chavrusa, uh, Rabbi Shalom Razner, when he made Aliyah, said, you know, he always, his whole life, always wanted to give a Parsha Shir like Rabbi Bernstein's, so he's going to start giving a Parsha Shir and was really patterned after Rabbi Bernstein. It was patterned after Rabbi Isaac Bernstein, and now Rabbi Rosner has two svarim of those uh, parsha shirim that he's given uh, that were that, that that were patterned after uh, Rabbi Isaac Bernstein. So anyway, so uh, Rabbi Bernstein had a beautiful vart on this pasuk. Just parenthetically, he said that you know when a person is deciding what his personality is going to be like, what kind of uh, person he wants to be. So a lot of times we take a role model, and instead of using them as a role model, we use them as just an exact uh, model of what we want to be. Meaning we try to replicate somebody else. Don't make yourself just a mirror image of somebody else. Don't make yourself into a pestle or a tamuna. Rather, what should you do? How should you relate to other people around you? And how should that inspire you? When it comes to heavenly matters, look above you, look at people who have accomplished more than you, and use that as motivation to try to accomplish more. And when it comes to gashmius, when it comes to earthly matters, 
look at those who have less than you. A lot of times when it comes to heavenly matters, when it comes to mitzvahs, we look at people who do less. And we say, I'm pretty good compared to that guy. I'm doing much better. And when it comes to Gashmias, we, we only wish we could have a house as big as that one and a car like that one drives and a job as nice as that one. You know, and, uh, and, and we, the, the Pasuk is uh, guiding us to look in another direction. It's obviously not what the Pasuk means, but it's, uh, it's a nice, uh, nice drush. In fact, uh, my brother, who is as, uh, I guess, as, 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 as uh, much of a uh, Litvisha style brain as you could, uh, as you could imagine, uh, I once spoke somewhere and uh, my, my brother was there and he came, my brother Shlita, who's a huge Tamachacham, he came over to me afterwards. He said, it was, it was a great speech until you murdered that Pasuk. You know, so that was, uh, he, he, was not, he was not a fan of the Joshua. But I thought it was a nice Jewish. In fact, that's why I keep repeating it. But, uh, but anyway, the, what the Pasuk actually means is that you're not supposed to make a Pesach of You're not supposed to make an image of an Avod Zara. And that's what the Raman writes. And that's what the Raman even if you're not going to worship it yourself, it's still in the Siddhar Raisa. Sefer Achinu Chamitzvah Chavzayin explains that it's a type of a Siyagda Raisa, meaning you don't have to, it's, it's, it's not so hard to figure out. Why is it that you shouldn't make images of Avodazara, lest you come to perform Avodazara? So even though the Ravid argues and he says that there's no Malkus, but that's only because it's a Lav Shebuchlalos. But even the Ravid assumes that it's in the Raisa to make an image of, uh, of an Avodazara. Now, the the the, uh, the the question becomes though is it still an image of an avodah meaning they're not really making an image that's at any risk of anyone worshiping it does anyone still worship these images of Greek mythology and uh, you know in, in ancient Roman and Greek mythology does that people study it they they study it from a historical perspective to know what was said and what people believed and what people did but is there anyone that that actually uh, that actually believes in this stuff anymore so it's very tricky to really know that, meaning this, the short answer is no. No one believes in this stuff anymore. But if you have the internet, you can find people who believe anything. Meaning, uh, you will find that there are a couple of hundred of Mishugayim that still believe in all this stuff, in all this Greek mythology. They're, they're insane, right? Meaning it's totally abnormal. It's not a, uh, it's not a normal thing for a person to believe. So it's, I, I, I'm not sure what to do with that. Meaning, when we say that an Avodazara at a certain point becomes Batel, that it's not an Avodazara that's practiced anymore, and therefore there are certain things that uh, maybe you're allowed to say the name of an that's currently Batel. Let's say there's a city named after an Avodazara that's Batel. So some posts can say you're allowed to say the name of such a city even though normally you're not allowed to even say the name of a city that's named after an Avodazara. That's like every city in India is named after an Avodazara. Problem is in India, they're all named after an Avodazara that's actually a Getchka sitting in a temple and, you know, and is, is at the center of, uh, of each city. So, you know, you don't, you don't really have any easy eights there. But, like, there are plenty of cities in Europe also that are named after Avodazars. So, uh, some of the, half the months of the Jewish calendar, uh, of the secular calendar, are named after Avodazars. January through June are all named after Avodazars, right? July and August are after Julius and Augustus Caesar, and then September, October, November, December, those are just numbers, right? But, uh, but, but, but every, the first six months are all named after, after Avodazars. So, so one of the things that days of the week. So one of the things that people say is that ah, no one worships Avodah anymore. So I don't know how does that work. Is that that nobody worships 
worships it anymore, or that like no normal person worships it. Meaning, if 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 you ask someone who doesn't have the internet, does anybody worship these avodas The answer would be no. So now that we have the internet, does that mean that people worship it? Because I could find the four mishugayim that uh, you know, like there's. Uh, I remember in a lecture from uh, Rabbi Dr. Schneer Lyman. He said a number of years ago, it was a couple of decades ago already. He mentioned that there's still a group of like four or five guys that get together in Washington every year um, that uh, still believe in Shabtai Tzvi. They still think he's coming back. You know, like, uh, I mean, at a certain point, you say that, that that's just insane. That's just crazy. So is that considered something that's still worshipped? So I'm not exactly sure how to uh, how to deal with such a thing. But Pashtus is that this is not an Avodazar that runs any risk of being worshipped. But there's not only an Isser to worship Avodazar, not only an Isser to make an Avodazar, to fashion an Avodazar, there's also an Isser to, or, or potential Isser, of looking at icons and images. The Torah says, Al-Tifnu that you're not allowed to turn to idols. What does that mean? You're not you're not allowed to turn to idols. So, and, and does that only include actual idols, or does it include even images that represent the idols? So there is a medrash in the Sifra that uh, has two interpretations of the pasuk. Um, one interpretation says you're not allowed to study anything about Avodah to study the belief system, to, to, to learn how the idol was worshipped. And the second shita is that you're not even allowed to look at idols. And uh, the, the, the Rishonim, Paskin, both, like both of those shitos, the Rambam, writes, There are lots of books about Avodah that you can find that are out there. And how, how people who should Worship these avodazars and what they did and what they believed. You're not allowed to read those books at all. You're not allowed to think about those uh, the, what's written in those books. And then. You're not even allowed to look at the tzura. So the Torah says that you're not allowed to study Avodazar. And that's exactly what they're teaching in these classes when they're studying Greek mythology. So maybe that's something that should be mentioned to the, uh, to the, to the, to, to the principal. So the question is, though, is it also to look at items that represent an Avodazar, even though they're not themselves worshipped? Meaning, you have a couple of Yisurim over here. So certainly learning about the would seem to be a violation. We'll, we'll come back to that one, because it may not be. Uh, but then, there's, they created these images that are meant to represent the Avodazara. So, is, is, are you even allowed to have such Im- images, or to look at such uh, images? So, it really depends how you understand a Gemara and Shabbos Kuf Memtes. The Gemara and Shabbos Kuf Memtes says that, uh, that, that it, it talks about like reading captions under, under pictures. Uh, you know, shtari adiotos, gazeros that they make, that you're not allowed to read certain material on Shabbos. So the Gemara says that you're not allowed to look at a tzura even on weekdays because it's a violation of al tifnu el elilim. And the Gemara says that uh, it's not abundantly clear from the Gemara um, that, uh, that, that you're not allowed to look at, uh, at any image, whether it's worshipped or not. But elsewhere, the Gemara Naval Zara, Daf Nun, Meaning, it's, it, it, the, 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 the implication of the Gemara is that any image, that even if it's a non-worshipped image, because Gemara does not limit it to a worshipped image. However, the Gemara of Adazar Dafnun talks about someone by the name of Rabbi Menachem ben Simla'i, who's Benon Shal Kedoshim. He was called Benon Shal Kedoshim. Why was he called Benon Shal Kedoshim? What did he do that earned him that title? That he didn't even look at the Tzura on a, uh, a Matbeya. 
but sounds like that's a chumrah, meaning because he was such a holy person, he wouldn't even look at the image on a coin. But it sounds like a regular person would look at an image on a coin. So it sounds from that Gemara that you're allowed to look at such images, even if they themselves, as long as they themselves are not worshipped. Uh, presumably the images that they put on coins were images of avodazaras, meaning it's a way of showing honor to something. So the Rishonim have different approaches to explain the Gemara in Shabbos. So one approach is that of Tosos and and Tosus writes that the issue of looking at an image is only to one that was manufactured for the purpose of Avodazara. And the image on the coin is not for the purpose of worshipping. It's there to maybe give kavod uh, because you, you, put, uh, you put faces on currency of people that you respect, of people that you honor. It's a way of honoring somebody by putting their face on the currency. George Washington made it onto the dollar bill because he was admired, not because uh, we think lowly of him, right? So, uh, but but it wasn't meant to be worshipped. So according to that sheet of Tosos, the Gemara seems to, uh, to, to learn that you're not allowed to look at any image whatsoever, that you're only not allowed to look at, uh, at idol, idols themselves. That's the Isser. And then it's a Chumrah, not to look at images of idols. Rashi, however, and the Tosas Rid say that, no, you're not allowed to look at any image at all. And I, why does Gemara Nebuchadnezzar say to Rabbi Nachman Simlai was Benon Shel Kedoshim and he was such a wonderful thing if he just followed the halacha, that you're not allowed to look at any image. So Tosas Nebuchadnezzar writes that even though it's also to look at any image, that's only when you're focused on that image, when you're really paying attention to it. Coins and money, you know, you're, you're not really looking at the image. You're looking at, you want to know, what do I have over here? Is it a quarter is in a nickel, but you're not really interested, you're not focused on the image, you're focused on using the money. So it's, since you're not, you're, you're to just, it's, it's similar to like the Isra of, uh, of Histaklus, right? It, it was just last night, someone came running into shul right around Mincha time and said, oh, I just made the bracha. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And then uh, then after Marav, someone came over to me and said, did you see that gorgeous rainbow on the way into shul? So now I understood what the guy was talking about, that he obviously made a bracha on a rainbow. But they, so you're supposed to say a bracha on a rainbow, but you're not allowed to be mistakel at a rainbow. So how are you supposed to say a bracha on a rainbow if you're not allowed to be mistakel at a rainbow? Elamai, you're allowed to see a rainbow, but you're not allowed to sit there uh, admiring it and gazing at the rainbow. Similar to a woman. You're allowed to see a woman, but you're not allowed to be mistakel at a woman. There's a funny tshuva, one of the achronim, one of the contemporary achronim. Someone asked if you're allowed, to, if you should say the bracha on meeting a king when you see the Queen of England. She's not a king, she's a queen, but she's royalty, so uh, she doesn't, you know, her power is very limited. It's uh, really only uh, uh, symbolic, but uh, but nevertheless, it's uh, she has all the trappings of royalty. So do you say a bracha? So there's a funny tshuva in one of the achronim where he says, "See the Queen of England." You're not allowed to look at a woman. How could you see the Queen of England? So that's uh, ridiculous. I mean, you're allowed to see the Queen of England. You're not allowed to be mistakel. You're not allowed to look at, gaze at the Queen of England for the sake of pleasure. If you were to do such a thing, meaning if that's you know, your taste, but uh, but you're, 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 there's there's no issue to, to see. There's an issue of being mistakel. So if you're also with the coins, with the images of Avodazara, that's what Tosafot Avodazara says. You could see the images. You just not let be mistakel at the uh, at the images. So how do we paskin on this? So it happens to be 
that it seems that there's a stira in Shulchan Aruch. In Simashin Zayin Sifta Zayin, the Shulchan Aruch quotes the Gemara in Shabbos in a way that implies that it's also to look at any image. But then in Yardeh, Kufman Beis, if Tezvav, he says, no, you're only uh, not allowed to look at, uh, you know, idols that are worshipped. Um, and he talks about uh, that, that uh, you're not allowed to get Hana from the idol, uh, from, from an actual level of Zara. Um, but uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the Nosei Kelim on the Shulchan Aruch say that the, the standard practice is Ta'asr, only things that are made for the sake of worship. Now, there was a tshuva from Ramosha where a stamp collector asked Ramosha whether he could own, buy, and sell stamps that have uh, crosses on them and other idolatrous Im- images on them. And Ramosha said, it's a common item, a stamp. It's like a coin. So you're allowed to own and sell the images. You're just not allowed to be mistakal at them. And uh, Ramosha says, oh, but if you want to be Benon Shal Kedoshim, you want to be very holy, so it's a very nice thing to be holy about. That's what the Gemara says. But there's no real... Isser Bidavar in, in doing that. What about like a chess set? So uh, Rabbi Asher Bush, who's a rabbi in uh, Frisch and wrote two beautiful svarim called Shaul B'Shlomo in, in Chelek Aleph, Simon Samachos Beis, he gives different reasons why it's mutter to own a chess set, even though there are crosses on the top of the, uh, what is it, the king? Not the queen, right? The king has a has a cross a lot of times. So I uh, quotes the Tosas in Avodazara and Tosas in Shabbos and those two sugis Avodazara, Dafnun, Shabbos, Kofmemtas, that, you know, it's similar to corn. That's not. You know, it's just decorative. You're not really looking at the uh, at the cross, you know, in in an admiring way. Um, you know, some people see crosses wherever they look. You know, they just. Uh, uh, when I was a kid, I don't know if any of you had this experience. When I was a young child in elementary school, and they were teaching us how to write letters, they told us to write a lowercase t with a curve at the bottom, because uh, if you write just a regular lowercase t, that's a that's a cross. Um, no, you know that's uh, so. I don't know. I don't know if that's really necessary, but uh, but sometimes uh, people are very uh, cautious about this. Um, Ravadio, another sniff that he adds is that Ravadio Seif writes in Yichavdas and Chel Gimel Samachay that you're allowed to wear some sort of medallion with a cross on it for for the same reason. I have a guy in my shul told me that he went to law school at St. John's, and when he graduated law school, there was a big to do because the uh, the robes that they wear. See, in Yeshiva University, they had the graduation yesterday in Yeshiva, so there were pictures of, the, of President Berman wearing this gigantic uh, medallion. It's like, uh, you know, uh, like a hip-hop artist, uh, you know, like a, a, a gigantic like a metal medallion of Toru Mada. So, okay, or of the YU Shield. I don't even know what it says anymore. But the, of the, the YU Shield. So the YU Shield is wonderful. But in other places, the, 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 the robes are decorated with crosses. They're decorated with, uh, you know, with other images, so uh, so it could be that a medallion with uh, such a cross, and it could be that it's not a problem, but it's lo naim. It's not. Uh, it's not right. And uh, the the ritva navodzar dafman beis says that uh, if you have crosses that are on cups for decorative purposes, you're allowed to have such cups. So that's uh, based on that. Rabbi Bush wanted a taina that there's no real problem with the chess sets. You don't have to fix the chess sets, but. So let's assume these images are not being produced for worship. They're not, uh, they're, they're, they're not representative of any existing religion that anybody believes in, that any sort of that anybody believes in. But isn't just learning about it a violation of Al-Tifnu Al-Halilim, that you're not supposed to learn about the beliefs and practices of Avodah So there is a fascinating tshuva in the Igros Moshe, a tshuva that was written to Rabbi Parnas uh, Shlita in 1960. Uh, 
so we're going back some time. Rabbi Parnas was, of course, a long-time Rosh Yeshiva in Yeshiva University, and uh, he was one of the founding Rosh Yeshiva, together with Rabbi Bronspiegel, he was one of the founding Rosh Yeshiva of uh, Lander College. Um, so uh, Rabbi Parnas writes, not writes, asked Rabbi Moshe, the uh, Shaila, about a public school teacher, and part of the curriculum, what the public school teacher had to teach, was about ancient Greece and Rome. And he wanted to know whether those religions are uh, the fact that they're, that no one respects those religion in, in 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 our day and age means that you're allowed to teach them because there's no concern that anyone's going to go home and uh, and go worship these avodazars. So are you allowed to teach these religions? So of Moshe, it appears in your Gimel, and he says that the Isser of studying avodazara still exists even if no one actually observes uh, the, the, the religion. It's still going to be an Isser, even if there's no one anymore that practices the religion. You're not allowed to study an Avodah He says, and therefore you cannot read about mythology, idolatry, uh, even if it's just uh, for literature. But then Rav Moshe writes that the Torah Asers learning these things only when it's being done in a complementary way. You're allowed to study something written by someone who is mocking the religion, who is making fun of the religion. The Torah itself describes certain avodazaras, and you know the Gemara describes certain avodazaras. But it's meant to be kol asura chutz The Gemara Megillah says that all leitzanus you're not allowed to make leitzanus of things. Leitzanus is asur, except for leitzanus of avodazara. You're allowed to make a leitzanus out of a, out of an avodazara. So if it's being done in a way to ridicule and to mock the Avodazara, not, not only is that mutter, that's, that's a mitzvah. Right? That's why when I was a kid uh, in elementary school, uh, when it came time for December 25th, all my uh, rebellion used to refer to the holiday as Kratzmach. Or they were referred to Yashka as, uh, you know, with all sorts of uh, different names, like cheese and crackers, they would call them, or something like that. So I always thought, well, that's so childish. You call them cheese and crackers? You know, they call them Yeshu. I don't know. Why, why do you have to call them cheese and crackers? So, uh, but but the, I realized it's a kiyum. You probably shouldn't do this publicly, and, you know, obviously not. It's not it's not good for interfaith dialogue, but, you know, it's probably a kiyum of kalei tzanusa asuruchot milei tzanusa davodazara, that you're allowed to make a list. Of, of an Avodah and therefore Moshe writes that uh, it could even be good for the for the students if they realize that, uh, that once upon a time most of the world's population believed in these ridiculous things and, uh, and and nevertheless it wasn't true and maybe that will cause students to you know to then make the connection and if today most of the world believes in fill in the blank something that's not Torah Hashem Tamima then that could also be wrong because people, the whole world could believe something and it could still be wrong and it could still be absurd. And maybe the students will be able to, uh, to put that together. And therefore, Moshe says, as long as you teach it in a way that's ridiculing the Avodazara, it's mutter. And Moshe's concluding paragraph is, When you have to teach this nonsense, You have to say it in a way that they should understand that it's all nonsense. 
Something that, that anyone who even has a little bit of das would be totally put off by, by such a thing. Like the Gemara says, and then it's mutter. And he says uh, the, the benefit that the students might, might have from it. And then, uh, the, and, and, and uh, then he writes, I certainly, says Ramosha, would not get up in a public school classroom and start badmouthing Christianity or Islam or any of the other practiced religions in the world today. People that we have to share the earth with right now, uh, but but uh, ancient of Adazars, no one will mind. No one will mind if you say, look, there's a reason why no one believes this stuff anymore, because it was all ridiculous. And he says it could be that it's going to be a uh, toeles. So uh, Rav Moshe does give some sort of indication that we could be, meaning that, that we're, we're a little more makel on that because um, because no one worships it anymore, and there's no risk of anyone worshiping it. But uh, but but uh, the the idea is that you could teach it in such a way. Now, I was I was uh, at a bar mitzvah last Shabbos. I was at two bar mitzvah last Shabbos. But one one of the bar mitzvahs I was at, there was a guy that I hadn't seen since uh, I think since my early admissions year of uh, of, of of YU. Um, he was the smartest guy uh, my age. I'm probably one of the smartest guys I ever met. Um, I remember this fellow was a classmate of mine in Rabbi Hecht's uh, Gemara Shir in 11th grade, and he never got less than 100 in any test. And he was also taking uh, AP Calculus BC at that time in 11th grade. And uh, he was, all of his classes were in the college because he couldn't, there was nothing the high school had to offer him that could challenge him. He was like a super duper genius. And he, he never got less than 100 on a test. And the, 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 the kunz was, he was about tshuva. He first opened up a Gemara three months before, before 11th grade. He had never seen the inside of a Gemara before. And by the time he was in the top honors shear and he never got... But he was a super brilliant guy. So uh, I saw him for the first time in a long time at this uh, bar mitzvah. So I was talking to him. And I was, he said, no, what are you talking about? Are you giving a shear? So I mentioned this shayla that came up. So, uh, so I said over this Rav Moshe. I said, Rav Moshe says you have to make a late sonus. So he said, does Rav Moshe say you have to make a late sonus? Or just that you're not allowed to say it in a complimentary way? Meaning, Rav Moshe definitely says that it's best to make a late sonus of it. That's not what the teacher's job is, though. The teacher's job probably is to teach it in a way that is totally non-judgmental. Right, to say this is what they believed, not that you, you say that you believe it or that it's a reasonable belief, but probably not to say that it's an unreasonable belief either. Just to say that this is what uh, what people believed. Now in yeshiva, it's probably different. In yeshiva, I think it's fair to say that they can make a late sonos. So at the end of the day, is it a good idea for uh, these students to be making images of Greek mythology? It's definitely not a good idea. All the shilas and poskim, you know, about making uh, such things are either when uh, Jews were in the business of producing crosses and things like that uh, for, you know, for jewelry or whatever. And, you know, so it was a shas of chak for Parnassa reasons, or Bidiavid, you already have such an image, do you have to do you have to get rid of it? Do you have to but to actually make something that's level desire, it might be Usr, and even if it's not Usr, it's Mukhur Hadavar. It's certainly not uh, not 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 appropriate. Um, a, a, as far as the actual course learning about these things, the teacher probably uh, I don't know if it belongs in the yeshiva, but if it is going to be in the yeshiva, the teacher probably has to be careful to do like Ramosha says, to say it in such a way where it's obvious that these things are out of style 
for a reason, that no one believes these things anymore for, uh, for a reason. Now, what the fellow suggested, cut off the nose or something like that, that's a different issue. That's when you make a human image or something like that, so there's a separatist, or even if it's not a Vodazar, that you're not allowed to make a full human image. I remember uh, Rabbi Tendler, Rabbi Tendler's daughter, once told me that as a little girl, uh, she was joking, she said she never knew that people had noses, because every time she got, she got a doll, her father cut off the nose of the doll, because he felt that it was an issue of uh, having having a human uh, human image. So he would uh, he would do surgery on uh, on on the uh, on the dolls. Um, but uh, but but that's not that. I don't think that that really relates to this uh, to this issue at hand. So at the end of the day, three weeks into school, should the teacher say something? He should, the principal's a from person, so he should probably uh, tell the principal, I don't know if you're aware, they're learning, the kids are learning Greek mythology, it may be worth asking a shayla to whoever you ask your shaylas to. I don't think as a fourth-year smicha student who just got his first job, he should go in and say, well, I'm about to receive a certificate that says, yaira, yaira, and therefore I, paskin, that this is us. No, you should probably tell the principal that, uh, you know, that this is worthy of asking a shayla about. Okay, I thank you all for accommodating this unusual time on this uh, Thursday afternoon. Everyone have a wonderful evening and a wonderful Shabbos. Have a good Shabbos,